see those videos where um, a mom cow has her baby and then the farmers come and take it away almost immediately and she's running after the truck or she's trying to jump the fence and and it's so heartbreaking because you totally understand that feeling that you would do anything to protect your kids mm-hmm. and then but you just you can't like they there's nothing more that they can do and it's absolutely devastating Hi, this is Chrissy of the Flare Up Show. Welcome back to another episode, my fellow F-Ups. Um, as you know, Girl with a Flare is a, is a phrase that is very personal to me. Uh, having a chronic illness um, for many years uh, and having onsets of symptoms, which are often called flares for people that have any type of chronic disorder, whether it's lupus, fibromyalgia, in my case, Hashimoto's um, and PCOS. Lots of different uh, different conditions can have flares. But what I learned was every time I flared, uh, and even though it took me down or was challenging, there was always something that I learned, either something that helped me cope better, that helped me identify more triggers so that I could avoid uh, causing flares or the length or duration of flares. So I called it flare up. So just like the old saying, you fail forward to success, uh, you can flare up. And, uh, and live your best life. Uh, so to this episode is with someone very uh, wonderful. Her name is Dana Tong, and she is an organizer of a group called Manitoba Animal Save, uh, which was originally founded by uh, another longtime vegan and good friend of mine, Janice Pennington. And uh, Dana is, is really, really easy to talk to. She's very funny and uh, she's a mom. And so we had a lot in common talking about how it is so easy to feel compassion for animals when you start to understand their desire to be mothers, just like we are, right? Just like we would do anything for our babies. Like Dana said in the beginning of this clip, they would do anything for their babies too. It's uh, it's devastating. So this episode, there's a lot of light stuff, but there are some parts that might talk about um, practices in animal farms. So just a little bit of a trigger warning, just in case it is something that uh, you find sensitive to listen to. There isn't a lot of it, but it is interspersed. So uh, just proceed with caution. Um, but the great thing is, is often when we have children and we try to feed them uh vegan or vegetarian (laughs) meal options, sometimes people worry that, oh, that's not natural. They're not going to get enough nutrition. So we discuss that about how to raise kids um, on a vegan lifestyle with, you know, great nutrition and great health. Um, And actually it is very healthy and it is very easy for children to not only survive (laughs) on vegan suitable foods, uh, but also to thrive. So I hope that you enjoy this. And if you have young kids and are looking at making lifestyle switches, then this is definitely the episode for you. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. I'm really excited because I have Danae on. Danae, what, how do you pronounce your last name, by the way? Um, Dana Tong. It's Tong. It is just Tong. Okay. Yeah, just Tong, like salad tongs or something. Yeah. <laughs> good good I was like tongue 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 yeah Yeah. so Danae Tong so I'm really excited because Danae is uh one of the uh I don't know are you like chairperson or head person I don't know if there's a specific title but you're a big part of or the founder or organizer of Manitoba Animal Save which is really great so maybe just share a little bit about your name a little bit about you and how long have you been an activist for the animals Sure. Um, so I'm a co-organizer with Manitoba Animal Save and Winnipeg Chicken Save. And um, I've been with them for about four years now. Mm-hmm. It was actually Manitoba Animal Save was started in 2017 in May by Janice Pennington. Yes. And, I jo- and that was in, yeah, in May, so in the springtime. And then I ended up joining in the fall as an organizer. And so I've been since then an organizer um, and how I got into activism was I had my daughter and I'd always been sort of an advocate and like talking to people but it was more one-on-one conversations so when I had Harley 
I would be like nursing her. And then I would be thinking about all the animals that were mothers mm -hmm. that did never got the chance to take care of their kid, their, their babies, to nurse them, to nurture them, to keep them safe. And it would haunt me. Um, and I just, I had to do more. So I was looking for groups and I found there's a Mercy for Animals chapter in Winnipeg at that point. And so I joined them and we did lots of outreach and protest and um, like leafleting. Ooh. And then I met a friend through them and me and her started our own group and started going out on our own and doing our own thing. And then I found out about Manitoba Animal Save. And so then I joined them and yeah, it's been, it's been really good. Oh, that's awesome. It, it <laughs> is amazing as a mom. Like I've, I've, I've always been fairly sensitive, but when I became a mom, there was like, oh, it's hard to watch things. It's hard to see things. It's hard to think about things sometimes. Did you find that after you became a mom, like the, yeah, the empathy yeah. just went through the roof? Yeah, exactly. Like you just connect so much with other mothers and you think about how unfair it is that because of the species that you were born that you can take care of your kids and you get this privilege of raising them and keeping them safe and getting to to be with them every day and then if the cow mothers or the pig mothers their babies are taken from them so young and they're and so many awful things happen to them mm -hmm. and they can't do anything about it and you see those videos where um, a mom cow has her baby and then the farmers come and take it away almost immediately and she's running after the truck or she's trying to jump the fence and and it's so heartbreaking because you totally understand that feeling that you would do anything to protect your kids mm -hmm. and then but you just you can't like they there's nothing more that they can do and it's absolutely devastating it really it, is it really is um how do you and I'm going to skip ahead because I, I we do have sort of a set list of questions but one's a little further ahead but I'm going to ask it now because it sort of fits in here you know, there are times like, because you do some witness events and you do some protesting events where you actually see these things sometimes and you're around these stories fairly closely, or you're working with animals directly that are a product of this suffering. So that must be a lot of stress and like trauma. So how do you, as an activist, practice self-care? How do you take care of you so that Danae doesn't get um, so traumatized or stressed out that it's hard to function? Yeah, that's such a good question. So before we had the egg egg bill here, we would go to Maple Leaf in Brandon, mm -hmm. and we would go to Dunright in um, on Clarence and Hamlin here in Winnipeg, and we would go to different places, the auction, mm -hmm. and bear witness the animals. And there was we would see a lot of really awful things. And um, coming away from those events, you would we would always try to debrief with the people we were with because you don't want to go into those situations and then leave and feel alone and feel like you've just witnessed something or seen something and it's traumatizing you want to try to at least debrief with the people that you're with so not everyone goes home and feels even more isolated and, mm -hmm. and hopeless so we try to do some sort of um visit afterwards with the people that were there and then check in with people for sure afterwards to see how they're doing and um for myself I think I try to, um, I've been trying lately or like more recently to turn off social media. I think that helps me to just draw those boundaries around my life mm -hmm. so that I can come home and have a space where I'm not, where I can kind of go through my own feelings and process them and not be bombarded by a bunch of other things. So sometimes I just turn off social media. Also like spending time at sanctuaries with animals that are rescued and that have had good happy stories that really does help so we try to do events at sanctuaries we try to do work days or whatever else we can do fundraisers to try to support them I think that that really helps a lot as well as seeing the world that we want to create seeing that there is there's a goal it's not just witnessing all this all this cruelty all this abuse all this exploitation that we are trying to eventually have a sanctuary type idea or where there's rescued animals where all animals can live out their lives and be safe and be happy and I think also just like 
things I can do in my own life, like meditating, Mm -hmm. spending time with my family, my dogs, going for walks, things like that really have helped me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's just staying grounded, I think, in the moment. And and you know what? I was thinking whenever someone talks about how they connect with the mothers of these animals, right? And how they don't get to be moms. I mean, the we'll talk about egg egg in a second, but the, you know, the meat splaining that goes on with the farmers that, you know, they take cows away. So the moms don't get mastitis or they don't get stepped on or they don't get killed. Like it's all not true, right? Like we've seen these animals in environments where they're not stressed and they're taken care of and they're beautiful mothers and they don't get infections and they don't kill their babies. Right. Yeah, that is not. It's not how it works at all, right? Like uh, humans are so arrogant to believe that we have to intervene in order for a species to just live. It's crazy to me. Right. Um, I was also thinking about the mother thing is about Mr. Rogers, right? Like he was a vegetarian, and when people used to ask him, right, he would say, "Well, I don't eat anything with a mother." Uh, but he used to also say, which you touched on, was that you look for times to immerse yourself where people are actually doing the things and you know that life is being created and that's what he used to say in times of intense stress or trauma just look for the helpers right when you feel hopeless look for the people that are helping and Mm -hmm. I think that's really what you touched on there is it's so easy to get into the doom and gloom especially with social media right but uh but to spend time focused on what is going right and and the difference that you know everybody is making even in how long have you been vegan yourself um I've been vegan since I was 15 so 24 and then three years prior to that I was vegetarian so it took me a while to get out there but no that's amazing that's amazing (laughs) I I've only been vegan four and a half years now but just the change that's happened since I started like four and a half years the last do you do like you've been vegan a long time is there a difference between say the first 15 years to like the last five years? Do you think there's been like exponential change all of a sudden? It's been crazy. Like the last, <laughs> I would say five years or something, probably the last five years, it's been, it just exploded. Um, yeah. I remember pe- like when I first went vegan or vegetarian, there was, we had options. Like I remember there was ice cream. It wasn't the best, but it was okay. <laughs> and then there was, you know, there was like, there was rice milk. Yeah, there's, there was veggie dogs like there were some good products it wasn't like I was just eating blocks of tofu all the time Mm-mm. there were some good things but now everywhere you go there's vegan options on the menu like I remember going to restaurants or to my friends houses when I was like younger <laughs> and then their mom would be like so what can you eat and then they're like what they couldn't even say the word vegan they didn't know they're like are you a vegan you know like yeah <laughs> Like, like it was just a totally out there thing no one had any idea like can you eat bread you know like yeah. <laughs> and uh, and now it's amazing people are so educated on it it's really just grown and it's so exciting to see yeah my husband's gone vegan just uh, two years ago Good. so and even just since he's gone vegan the products like all the beyond sausages like mm-hmm. he loves those all these things it's amazing to see incredible it's a beautiful world it is it is and I was seeing some statistics about you know non-dairy milk is is about almost even with the dairy industry in the United States now it's nuts it whoever thought right that that would happen in our lifetime it's so great you know it's even and I think I mean it's it's nice to see even like the flexitarians and the reducers coming in because all of that still pushes us in the direction, right? It's, it's not perfection, it's progress, right? Right, right. And also feeling like open to trying things because I know people can get scared of, well, I don't want to try this. Like even in my own family, like I don't want to yes. try your plant milk, Dana, or like, you know, I'd make yeah. a dish for Thanksgiving or Christmas and they're like, oh, well, it looks weird. You know, I don't want to try it. So people who are open to trying things, it's yeah. just, another gets them closer right they're trying more and more things and if you're open to that that's an amazing thing mm-hmm. yeah totally I like I like joking around with family when we're like I don't want any weird food I'm like well, you've never eaten an apple or rice like, what are you talking about it's just food like, <laughs> my food's probably more food than your food that comes in a box with a whole bunch of things you can't pronounce on the label right <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. it's my just food 
like, I don't want to eat your weird food. I'm like, I took all the weird food out of it. Like I took all like, the <laughs> hormones and the pus and the, you know, the, all those things out of it. Like yeah. this isn't the weird part. <laughs> I but I know people are used to what, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. So what, what made you as a, as a teen 20 years ago, decide to cut first meat and then go full vegan? Well, I was doing a research project. Um, I think it was on animal testing, actually, for school, something. Oh. So I was in library, and I was in that section, and um, I found a book called Animal Factories, mm-hmm. and, and I was, like, blown away. So I took it out, and I read it, and I just had no idea that how animals were raised for food, because you always see the commercials, and, and I totally bought into it. And um the happy chickens and you know the cows love to give their milk and because mm-hmm. they're dairy cows then you don't think about their gift milk because they're mothers not because they they just that's what their body produces like yep. it's for their babies so I read this book and I was totally it's like it just opened up this world for me and so I went home and I told my parents I'm gonna go vegetarian and I think they weren't super surprised because I had never really liked meat but they had always kind of you know, that was the arrangement that you eat what's served. So yeah. they said, okay, you can go vegetarian and, but you have to do um, research projects. So they said, if you are going to eat this way, you have to cook for yourself and, um, and you have to give us a report. You have to write what you're going to eat, like look through all the nutritionist yeah. um, recommendations and tell us what you're going to eat. And then you have to tell us why you're going why you're giving this up so I had to write these reports and then present them to my parents in the oh, living that's room so cool. yeah <laughs> so grateful to them for that because I feel like it set me with a good foundation and I could fall back on that later on mm-hmm. so that was definitely a good a good um thing for them to do as parents so yeah and then three years later I decided I think I kind of was nervous to go vegan because I felt like I don't know if I could do it you know everyone's already thinking it's so hard that I'm vegetarian so I I decided I'm gonna go vegan for two weeks and I'm not gonna tell anybody I'm just gonna eat vegan food and see if I can do it on my own yeah and I and it was like no big deal it was like it was it was almost no different um (laughs) so then I was like what am I of course I'm gonna go vegan so then I just told my parents again and they were like okay you you're old enough, you know what you're doing. So then it was cool. But my mom, when I first went vegetarian, she was a little nervous that I was not going to eat healthy. And so she was making this rice dish every day for like two weeks, Chrissy. And, <laughs> and I'd be like, what's in here? And she's like, oh, that's a mushroom or like that's onions. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird, but okay. So, and then I pulled one piece out eventually. And I was like, I feel like this is meat. She's like, Dana, you're going to die. <laughs> and just hiding it in like the stir fry or whatever <laughs> I was like okay fine so I just like cook for myself actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's okay mom I got this <laughs> oh, so funny oh my god I know I know I know my like my my oldest same thing because you know me and their dad are not together anymore and at their house they, that's exactly what they worry about all the time like yeah are they eating enough? Are they getting enough nutrition? And like, so I made them actually, which is awful because at that age, you don't want them tracking all their food and like find, you know, pouring through what they're putting through their mouth on a fine tooth comb, right? Because it's just not a healthy mindset to get into. But I did make them do that. I did make them go on to like my fitness pal and just record and then show them all the vitamins, nutrition and calories that they were getting and they were just fine. So it was like just, but it's crazy that you have to go through that length I know. And and they're not incredibly healthy eaters to begin with, which is even more crazy, right? Like so often I find the people that give that try to give me advice on what to eat are like, we what's your cholesterol level like? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how that tends to be. <laughs> you have to prove yourselves, yeah. Totally. And it's funny, I I one of the things I was excited about when I went vegan, because, you know, I'm, I'm in my forties now, but I'm like, here we reverse age and you like, you're, you're how old? 30, 30 something. 
Oh, I just turned 39. She is. You look, honestly, when you guys look at her picture in the show notes, she looks like she's about 21. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you must get a comment all the time. Like, people probably can't believe your age, I bet. <laughs> my sister said just because I'm immature. So oh. that's-, <laughs> that's my excuse. Yeah, I think that's not bad. If you get older, I, I appreciate that. I'll embrace yeah. it. Definitely. Definitely. So now, so now you have babies and so your children and your family, they're, they're being raised vegan as well. Yes, correct. Yeah. My, my two children are vegan since conception and um, my family was a little bit worried about that to be honest with my parents, especially with Harley, because they're like, well, that's fine. You can make your own decisions, Dana, but like now, you know, you're directly making choices for another person and it's for a baby. So they were a little concerned about, yeah, of course, nutrition, about all those things. But um, so when she was born, I went back to work and my mom took care of Harley for the first year. And she would see what I'd pack her for lunches, I guess the second year after maternity leave. So she was eating like solids by then and everything. And she would see that Harley's eating like beans and, you know, like nuts and like fruit and vegetables and all these things. And she yeah. likes mushrooms and she likes olive. And she was like, okay, I think that really helped my mom to kind of mm-hmm. accept even me being vegan is seeing that Harley just had such a wide, diverse palate and that she was so healthy. She was so bright and curious and full of energy. And, and it's the same thing with Hale. So yeah, it's, it's awesome raising kids vegan and kids totally get it, which is, it blows my mind, but like, we'll be at the store and Hale asks for like a chocolate bar or something or gummy bears. And I'll say, oh no, we, we don't eat that. And he goes, oh, cause there's cow's milk in it. I said, yeah. Or, or there's gelatin. And I said, yeah. And they know they don't even want food that oh. comes from an animal. Like we have to, society just override that innate compassion in them to make them eat these things. Yes. And they just, they don't want to. They're like, yeah, that's, I don't want to eat like something that has cow's milk. That's, that doesn't sound good to me. That sounds like it's for a baby cow, right? They much rather have the plant-based options or the fruit or whatever else. So it's, it's super interesting to see that. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you seen that with your kids? Well, so mine aren't. So my oldest has been vegetarian off and on. And they sort of go back and forth. And again, with two homes, it gets a little complicated, right? So you get mixed messages and, and all sorts of things. And I'm, I've been very, because I became a vegan, they were already, you know, in double digits, right? So yeah. um, I didn't, it wasn't like, okay, we're just eating this tonight. Like they feed themselves a lot of the time. <laughs> so, and the options are limited here for them to cook and have, but um I really and I don't I know some people may not agree with this but I really want them to walk towards it and want to do it for themselves so they do spend a lot of time like if I go to the sanctuaries to do volunteer at a couple so they will come they're around animals they see me doing activism and they 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 understand uh, you know I became vegan because of health reasons because I had a chronic illness and so they understand the health benefits a lot towards it too. And they, they've noticed going back and forth, like my oldest will have headaches more if they're eating milk, uh, meat and dairy versus if they don't. So it's just putting the pieces together, right? But they'll get there. I'm pretty sure they will, they will get there. But uh, now the oldest has a, a boyfriend who's actually over right now. So they might even be listening. But oh. I, I made, so now whenever he's here, cause he's, he's a boy. So he'll, he'll, he'll eat anything. Right. So I, <laughs> so I always make sure when he's here, if he's here for dinner, I'll try and cook something really good. Like tonight I made vegan schnitzel and, oh. and it's so good. Like it tastes like fried chicken. Right. So, um, he really liked it. And, uh, my kids said, I don't like this. You're going to turn him vegan. I'm like, good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> good yes we'll get yeah. there we'll get yeah, there right. you about like your kid wanting your kids to make it themselves because you could totally force them to do it but you really want it to come from them right so I hear you and same when my kids get older they're gonna get to the point where they have to make it their own decision like yeah. when you make a decision at like three or six it's a little different than when you're making it like 12 or 15 totally. right yeah so yeah that's I totally appreciate that perspective on it. I think that's a really good way to do it. What's been really great though, is at school. So at school now, like they're learning about 
food sources and that kind of thing. And I remember when I was in school, we thought cows just made milk because that's what they do. We didn't know the truth, right? And that they're, you know, inseminated and forced to give birth and all that stuff. We didn't know that. But now they actually, they don't say good or bad, but they're like, this is an actual dairy farm. This is how it works. And they give them the real story. They don't go like, oh, it's evil or whatever. Mm -hmm. But at least they're getting a better picture of what's happening. And then the other day in health class, they watched the game changers. And I was like, really? That's awesome. And then I asked, how did all the 15 year old boys like the part where they study those guys, the athletes uh, erections at nighttime? She's like, oh, that was hilarious. So (laughs) I would have died to be in that classroom with that scene. (laughs) So if you're listening and you haven't seen the game changers, there's a part where they actually study what you mm-hmm. eat based on your blood flow at nighttime for romantic time. And <laughs> yeah, they all decided they were going to go for the salad bar on Valentine's Day. So just to right. share how that works. Yeah. You've seen that movie, right? Priorities. Yeah. That's actually what turned my husband vegan. Was that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That part of the movie. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we went to wherever it was playing in the city, that theater. Yes. And, um, and he saw it and he was like, all right, let's do it. So yeah, it was awesome. He actually, his his mom and stepdad had been vegan for like 20 years. They are vegan still, oh but living at home, going to university, they would always eat vegan food together. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's so funny. But then he moved up here because he's from the States and then he just, you know, eat whatever he wants, but then so he saw that movie and then that was it. So I think that's a brilliant movie, especially for men. It really hits on so many of the topics for them. Yes. Yeah, yes. it's so good. It's a really good movie. And I like the nutrition science and everything is really sound in it, which I like too. Some of them are a little overblown. Like if you become vegan, you're going to cure cancer and you're never going to sick the rest of your life ever. Uh, but this one was very realistic, I think, and what, what veganism can do for the body, which I really appreciated a lot. Um, yeah. So what are some tips? So people out there that do have vegan children or are trying to get their children to eat more vegetables and plant-based proteins and and that type of thing, what kind of tips do you have for your kids? Now your kids are really little, so they're going to pretty much eat what you put in front of them. But what are some tips that you have that have been really successful with getting them to uh, embrace and be excited about what you're doing at home? Oh, Chrissy, I wish (laughs) there about what I put in front of them like at dinner is a struggle right now because Hale just has no attention span he just wants yeah. to walk around and play with toys and yes. and so getting them to eat is hard but um what we've been trying to do is they got some cookbooks for Christmas and or like last year so what we do is I sit down with Harley once a week and she chooses a recipe oh cool so that we make that dish together and then so at least she's involved in sort of the planning the choice the choosing of it and then I'll get the ingredients when I go for groceries and um, and then we can make it and then it's something that she's interested in and yeah. hopefully you know, that kind of like builds on it um I try to get them involved with me as much as possible in the kitchen like yesterday we made muffins and we made sushi for lunch today Yum. so if I can kind of get them in- invested in the process that helps me for them as well um, and then just offering like lots of fruits, vegetables. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like getting them sort of active in it helps helps me or at least works for us at mm. this point. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be different as kids get older too. So that'll be a different mountain for me to tackle. But <laughs> Well, and your kids are still like, how old is Harley? Harley six. Six. Okay. So now what about when you navigate have you done this i know covid probably not so much but what about when you navigate other families get-togethers with your kids and there's like the traditional birthday cake or the traditional ice cream how do you handle all that yeah yeah so usually it's pretty good like my friends know but Mm -hmm. uh, pretty early on we went to a birthday party and there was um an ice cream cake like like a dairy ice cream cake and then like a cheese pizza and that was it so (laughs) luckily I had snacks in my purse but um I wasn't prepared for that but I think that really taught me that for a birthday party that I always now make her like a cupcake or a piece of cake and I bring it with us and then I 
figure out or I find out what they're having for like the lunch or the snacks and then I pack her vegan alternatives if that's something that will be needed um sometimes there's enough food where she can just go and eat the the plant-based options but usually I will make cupcakes and I'll bring some um for her to have and then some to share as well if that's okay with the or the host, but I will make her her own cupcake so that she can at least participate in the cake part of it. Cause I know that that one time was really hard on her and she was so good about it, but she got left out. So oh. yeah, oh, I felt so bad. She was probably about two and a half, but yeah. <laughs> it'll never happen again. <laughs> one day she'll be in therapy. She'll be like, yeah, yeah. For that did one get to eat the cake. <laughs> No, no, no. She's My mom. She'll be happy. Yeah. Surprise me of it. Yeah. Yeah. She'll be so happy about how healthy she is. So do your kids, and I don't like, I'm not saying in a science means or anything like that, but do you find that they get sick less, like catch colds less? I know myself, even in the last four years, it's very rare that I even catch a cold now. Like it's. Right. Right. Yeah. Been sick in a long time. Like Harley, I know that this fall it's at her school in grade one, it's been pretty rough and there's been a lot of kids out most of the time and she hasn't missed any school to sickness um yeah I I don't know and everyone has different immune systems Mm. so I'd love to say that she just eats super healthy and you know beautiful (laughs) vegan energy and she's never but I don't know but yeah she hasn't missed any school I can't even think in kindergarten when she missed school last year and then yeah hail so we've been pretty lucky in that but I feel yeah I feel like they just have a lot of energy and that might just be their ages or it might just be a combination of things but (laughs) definitely yeah their their immune system seems pretty strong that's good that's very good yeah that's awesome the world we live in too so yes definitely you want them to be able to take care of themselves for sure yeah so let's go back to manitoba animal safe so you guys used to do so let's talk about egg egg because when you talked about bearing witness, like when you're actually at, you know, the abattoir that when the truck pulls up with the animals that are going for slaughter and, you know, you're at the, the farm, like the factories that are processing meat and stuff, but now there's something called egg egg. So can you share with people what egg egg means? Sure. So it's an animal agriculture um, law. So we are, ours specifically in Manitoba is bill, it's bill 62 and now it's like um, it actually came into effect at the beginning of October, which it's been super vague. We had thought that it became law in May, just after they passed the readings and the standing committee. So um, what it does is it's based on biosecurity. So it says that we can't be near the trucks that have animals in them. We can't be near the properties that have animals on them, whether they're slaughterhouses, farms, um, auctions, any of those places and um, we can't interfere with any of the trucks. So that prevents us from, first of all, going to these places and bearing witness, because if, if we're near their property, we, we could be arrested or face fines. And uh, we definitely cannot be stopping the trucks right now. Mm-mm. So it prevents us from going to Maple Leaf, from going to Dunright, the auctions, and um, we can't interfere with them. Yeah, we just can't be around them. So we can if we catch them on route we can take video like the horses mm-hmm. at the airport we yep. would park along the side of the road and as the the trucks would go by so pretty much if they don't know you're there you can be there <laughs> is what we've kind of figured out and um yeah so that's that's where we're at right now hopefully that gets repealed or revised and and we're hopeful about that if we can get a new government in but that's where we're at right now so we're really limited in what we can do so we've been trying to focus on other forms of advocacy and activism as we're sort of stuck in this weird place Mm -hmm. we're focusing on protests on sanctuary work on like government campaigns yeah all these other types of things so but it is it is extremely frustrating not to be there to bear witness to these animals because right now it just goes unchecked um they're they're being transported and and you know all the things that are going on but you're not able to document them and to file complaints if needed and so it's really it's going unseen which is is a very bad thing for that so 
it's 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 crazy to me in this day and age that there's less accountability especially for companies that are getting big money from the government right like they're getting all these subsidies and, and things and then they're um and then they're literally kept from having to hold themselves accountable to the public which is nuts I mean for a lot of people that's their food that's like that's what they're ingesting for nutrition and they have zero idea of what's actually happening right like what's going into their food what how their food is being treated and then never mind all the stress hormones and and other things that have like it's just it's nuts I did do a little bit of when I when I was in like I'm a health and safety specialist and I've done some work prior like I worked with uh one food plant but it was plants thank goodness it was potatoes but some people that worked there were from maple leaf from uh the pork right so they were there in the slaughterhouse when the pigs would come in and they would talk about you know they talked about some of the awful things and the, the things that were put into the pigs um and just some of the practices and then I also had a friend that was a livestock hauler back in the day and especially in this winter time I mean I never before you know right before you even become aware of these trucks you don't realize that minus 40 they're you know even though they may now have covers which I've noticed this year most of them have the covers up at least but there's no heat back there it's just thin metal covers in a metal trailer and animals actually get frozen right to the sides and the bottoms right like they get stuck to them and they're still alive and then they have to get pulled off and their skin and their flesh can come off with it like it's just like like it's just it's horrible it's horrible yeah it's like if you go outside and you touch a metal pole with your bare hands Mm -hmm. you have a little bit more like they have some hair on it and stuff but it's not much thicker than our skin and you hold metal pole and they're in transport for, you know, it could be three hours, it could be five hours, depends on where they're going. If they're going to maybe leave in Brandon, maybe it's two, three, three or four hours. If they're going to Ontario, if they're going to the States, which we ship a lot of pigs out to the States, it could be much longer. Yeah. So it's, it's horrible. And, and they're not talking about those things. There's no accountability. There's no transparency. There's no humane sort of oh Oh, you went up for a sec there oh sorry there was a call um that they're doing to protect them they're just thriving in in uh in darkness that nobody can see them so they can just do whatever they want and and there's no one there to hold them accountable there's no one there with cameras there's no one there asking questions they just operate even our humane agriculture laws I couldn't believe when I started reading through some of them especially about pigs and pork and the humane agriculture of pork some of the things that are literally in the law right now as humane practices such as thumping right so being able to kill piglets by smashing them against a concrete floor like that's actually in our humane laws like about humane agriculture practices it's <laughs> yeah this is standard practice like it happens in every farm mm-hmm. in every province in every city they, they cut off their their tails they dock their tails yeah. after they're born they cut off their genitals like all these things are standard practice without anesthesia these are baby pigs and yeah. we're mutilating them right away yes it's yes. insane. And this is standard practice. This, is, this sounds horrible, and this is, but this isn't considered abuse by any means by them. This is standard practice. They're expected to do these things, yes. and that's what and that's what's allowed. So you can imagine if that's what's allowed, what else happens that isn't allowed? <laughs> yes. Right? Like it's. Yep. Yes. It's the more you know, the worse it gets. It really. It really is. It yeah. really, really is. I remember even once I a long time ago met a person that works for a breeding agency that breeds pigs for uh food and her their job was to actually um extract the semen from the bulls so and it was it was interesting because they laugh about their job and at the time I laughed too because I'm like what you 
you literally ejaculate a pig like that's what you do all day you you put these animals on a table and really and they even they even had like a picture of a pig with lipstick on it in front of the table like as a joke like they would have something attractive to look at and at the time I remember this was years ago before I really made the connection Mm -hmm. um and I thought oh that's kind of funny but then I thought that's really messed up like could you imagine being strapped to a table against your will and raped basically right (laughs) exactly and that's exactly what it is but people right they're just like oh don't be so dramatic right it's just to be that way no like no why why does it have to be that way I don't I don't understand yeah 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 I agree it's nuts and then we love our pets right and it's it's really interesting too with um there's a lot of rescues out there that do, you know, good work with, you know, dogs and cats and kind of thing, but then they'll have like fundraisers, which are around meat. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, yeah, come to our bud, spud and steak. And you're like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're like, um, um, I want to support you, but yeah. What's the difference, right? Like what is literally the difference between this dog that you love and cuddle and have in your bed? Right. And would euthanize when they're uncomfortable or take to get medicine you know if they if you saw a dog or you know another even a a rabbit in the street that was hurt you would take it in and hope that it would live right but yes where does that disconnect happen right yeah we just draw these boundaries around so many things and definitely around animals like the animals that we love and and that we care about you know they fit in this little box and then there's all the other animals that are farmed animals and, and those ones are fine those ones you know we, we can do whatever we need to do because those are for food. Those are animals are for food. And then we don't see that all animals are the same and they all want the same things. They all want to live and be safe and be healthy and be with their families. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Breaking down those, those barriers. Yes. So when you're out doing activism and you're talking to people, what are some of the, the most successful ways to reach someone, like to really help them make that connection? Do you find it's like the hard hitting stuff that's kind of shocking or is it more the asking questions? Is it more like the softer stuff? Like what do you find is a good approach when you're talking to someone that's when you're out protesting or you're out doing some advocacy, what do you find really helps people make that connection? I think it can be different depending on the person that you're talking to. So it's good to kind of have a conversation um, if you can. Sometimes we're just handing out leaflets outside of a university or something. Mm. And it's really just quick and quick. And you don't know if maybe you're just planting seeds that day. But if you're able to, if like if we get the chance, it's really nice to just have a conversation with someone and see where they're at. And usually you can get to the point where you can agree on things. You know, they have a pet and then they can extend and see that care also you know, could be extended to other animals or, you know, that they kind of want to go vegan, but there's influences in their life preventing them. Or, And so I think having sort of a more curious approach and asking questions, sometimes it, it can be effective to do the hard hitting stuff, like a disruption. We have definitely done those or like when we do um, rib fest and we have yeah. our, our sort of protest display up there and people are curious about that. And I think best conversations come from people who kind of approach us and are curious yeah it really depends on the people in the crowd sometimes it just polarizes people and that's and that's just that's fine that's how it is too but mm-hmm. um and people tend to get defensive and feel they have to validate or you know explain where they're at and they have all sorts of excuses for that but <laughs> yeah <laughs> as any vegan can tell you there is there are favorites that people love to throw at you, but yeah, I think, I think my personal favorite would just would be sort of a conversational type thing. I really yeah. miss tabling when we would go to universities or even just on the street, we'd set up a table and maybe offer like vegan cookies and stuff yes. and, and be like, Hey, have a free cookie. And they're like, okay, cool. And then you would talk and be like, Hey, vegan food is like not weird. Right. And sort of like <laughs> exposing people step-by-step step that a vegan cookie you know vegan food is really good and you wouldn't even know the difference and just having conversations and connecting with them as people because I think most people are open to it but they have whatever sort of influences in their life or fears mm. kind of preventing them maybe from taking that step totally um, it's uncertainty yeah. and the fear of not belonging right so it's yeah 
It's like your network is so important, like who is around you. And if you don't have any vegan friends and your family isn't supportive and maybe they've said things in the past that, you know, negative about vegans or going plant-based and that kind of sticks with people. So if they can, which is so amazing with the vegan community in Winnipeg, because even if you don't have people in your family or in your immediate circle that are vegans, you can come online and, and be not alone right so many of us mm -hmm. are just alone we feel so alone so you, at least you can connect with other people who are going through the same thing with you and see that there are more of us out there than than it feels like sometimes definitely we have a pretty vibrant community here and actually like because i was working with veg fest for a couple of years and some of the guests that came to speak they would compliment the organizing the organizers and that they would just say like it's it's so well done and it's it's so vibrant like everybody is there's a real inclusiveness here there is so like it's a like it's a like a world-class community because there is such a wide variety of different uh personalities uh there's a wide variety of restaurants and options there's just uh yeah it's just a really unique uh city I think for that we're really really lucky here to have. Yeah, that's really nice to hear too from other people right because sometimes you're like oh maybe you know other places have this and they're bigger but we are very lucky here we have we have a really great community and there are so many restaurants and just vegan options mm -hmm. and just and so many amazing people around so we are very lucky definitely definitely so yeah. what is your favorite recipe to make and share with non-vegans to make them be like wow this is vegan that's a good question okay so right now I feel like our house really loves lasagna so yes. I have <laughs> pasta always I do the same thing yeah it's it's hard to mess up so I have this really good um lasagna recipe and it's got like tofu and then you got to blend Ooh. up with like nutritional yeast and stuff and then spinach and sometimes we throw some ground round in there mm -hmm. and it's so good it's so good so that's probably my favorite right now and it might be different in six months but right now I feel like that's that's the recipe it's a great winter one too but yeah I mean, oh, a lot no, of lasagna yeah. with like yeah the tofu ricotta in the middle it's so yes good. It's so oh good. so good I've usually made it with like green or brown lentils but this last time I made it with red mm -hmm. lentils instead for the tomato sauce part and it tasted so like the texture was so much more like ground beef like ground round yeah. it was so good I was I'll have to try that okay you have to send me that recipe now. and at the lake what I find at the lake what I make um because I'm always out at the lake with my family who are not vegans but I'll make one thing that I do like making is twice baked potatoes. I'll put some red lentils in there with some uh, vegan borsin and like, so bake them once, pull out the potato, mix it with some cooked red lentils and like the, the like the borsin non-dairy cheese and some garlic and, and then bake it again. Oh my God, it's so good. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. And you don't feel like you're missing. Like who, who doesn't love a good baked potato, right? So yeah. Yum, yum. I'm gonna get hungry again and I should yeah, not. Yeah, no, you're be. making me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I, <laughs> so how can people find if people want to know more about Manitoba Animal Save and possibly checking you guys out? And if you're looking for volunteers or you know, people to come hang out, uh, where could they find you? Yeah, come join us. Um, so we're on Facebook, we're Manitoba Animal Save, Winnipeg Chicken Save. Um, Instagram, we're fairly active on there too. Uh, Manitoba Animal Save. We have Twitter now, and um, we're going to be getting TikTok soon, I think. And uh, <laughs> who's doing the? So, yeah. Are you doing the videos? Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, I, I, yeah, I think we're we're gonna try and do videos. I think Corey is more inclined that way. He's more he brought it up, so we'll see. But and probably both of us will be there at some point. So it's definitely <laughs> a goal for this year is to get active on TikTok as well. Um, yeah, yeah, come check us out. We're, there's all levels of activism and, and I promise it's not scary and we'll, mm -hmm. you're very welcome. And yeah, we would love to have you out. Yeah, I can't wait till you guys can start organizing potlucks again, right? Once yeah, I miss those. I'm sure everyone misses those. Everything has just stopped. So many good potluck groups, <laughs> right? Like everything, like the Veg Fest one was amazing and so many good potlucks but mm -hmm. one day we'll have those back when I first started uh 
exploring whether or not I wanted to go vegan, I went to a veg fest potluck and that was kind of like, there's no dip deprivation here like look at all the stuff like I was like this must be way easier than I think it's gonna be and it, and it was pretty easy actually yeah and that's it, awesome so is that how you started going vegan like you came to a veg fest potluck yes yes I knew one of the organizers of the committee we had mm-hmm. met through other things and they had talked about you know their veganism and their activism and creating veg fest it was I think their first veg fest that year uh first or second maybe it was the second one um and they said come to Apollo check it out and so I did and I was like what the heck this is nuts like I couldn't believe there was like 10 different pies there just tables and tables yeah and then I remember yeah. Harry your who used to be managed with animal safe here and moved away him and Julie they they would bring muffin tins so that they had little pockets for every little piece and nothing got mushed together. And, they get up, and I was like, you guys are brilliant. And I was like, I need to be vegan. You guys are so smart. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, like pros. Like they had definitely like the whole setup going right. So they knew how to, how to do a potluck right. I miss them. Yeah. I know. I miss them too. They're yeah. So great. They're so great. They're doing good things. I'm sure where they're yeah. in, they are in always the- amazing good stuff well thank you so much for your time Dana and uh, I really appreciate having you on and you sharing so openly about everything and I really hope everybody goes out and checks out Manitoba Animal Save thank you so much Chrissy thanks for inviting me this is fun Thank you again, Dana. It was really great talking to you. And uh, hopefully I'll get out to some uh, Manitoba Animal Save events at some point this year. Uh, I can't wait for potlucks to be a thing again. Oh my word. Good food. And I... (laughs) It's the end of January. I can't believe it's already almost February. But that's okay because every month can be January if we try hard enough. (laughs) So so, um, I hope that you took a chance at even just looking at some more plant-based options um, or at least explore the idea of uh, adding more vegetables to your diet and decreasing your intake of animal products and if you're already vegan then I hope you've been sharing some great vegan food uh, with your loved ones and getting that message out because you know what it has been such a game changer for my health personally I I can't even express enough gratitude for the people that introduced this lifestyle to me because it has made such a positive impact on me as a person on uh, on me and my body health wise on my mental health there's just been so many benefits and uh, I do have a blog post that talks about you know sort of why I became vegan and why I share this information on this podcast and why I want people to know my story and share kind of some vulnerable stuff about myself. Um, so I will link that in with this podcast as well so that you can take a take a read if you are ever so curious and uh, looking forward to some more great speakers coming up in February. Mm-hmm.